When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Dr. Raj podcast with Dr. Raj Dasgupta a show all about educating patients, students, and aspiring doctors about better patient care. Dr. Raj is a quadruple board-certified physician and associate professor at the University of Southern California. He was a co-host of the TNT series, Chasing the Cure with Ann Curry, as well as a regular on the TV show, The Doctors. And now, here's our show. Hi, and welcome to the Dr. Raj podcast. So what is this a podcast of? The keywords are happiness and wellness, great, amazing stories, people just doing awesome things that pump you up to be a better person. That's what the Dr. Raj podcast is about. And today, I definitely have a special guest. And you know what I always say is the best part about having your own podcast You could bring your friends, and this is truly one of my good friends. She's just an awesome person on the inside, on the outside, and she's an entrepreneur, but she's super duper down to earth. So I'm really excited for her to tell her story here. There's a little medical twist that's going to be in there. So it serves kind of both of my passions, telling great stories and a little bit of medicine at the same time. So today's guest is Lily Rocha. And I'm going to read her bio before, you know, we're going to meet her. So she is the current CEO of Latino Restaurant Association, a 800-plus member national organization here in Los Angeles, California. Lily is also the founder of Sabor Latino Food Industry Trade Show, the nation's largest Latino food trade show. A graduate of the University of California, Berkeley, Lily also attended St. Mary's University in London, England. Lily graduated from UC Berkeley during the height of this dot-com bubble, which we're going to talk about in Silicon Valley, and her first job was as a project manager for Nikea in Mountain View, California. Lily developed a serious interest in trade show and conference management, which eventually led to her to earn both a CMP and a CMM certifications. Just to mention, those are the highest in the meeting planning industry. Lily eventually founded the Sabor Latino Food Industry Trade Show in 2013 when she noticed there was a huge gap in the trade show industry for Latino foods. With Lily's expertise in sales, marketing, and project management, Sabor Latino has become a recognized brand in the trade show industry and serves as a premier business platform for Latin food professionals. 
Lily also has a business industry leadership certifications from Cal State University, San Francisco, UCLA, and my home school, USC, where I work right now. Lily developed a passion for healthy eating while a student at UC Berkeley. This passion has led to a lifelong commitment to wholesome living. Lily enthusiastically shares her passion for healthy eating by volunteering for the organizations such as the American Heart Association, the Long Beach Memorial Women's Heart Institute, and the Heart and Vascular Institute at LBMMC. So just to mention a few more things, you know, Lily serves on so many boards, including Honor, PAC, Latinx, slash LGBTQ, plus political action. She also serves on the, I'm going to say this wrong, Asociación de Empresarios Mexicanos, AEM, and last, Latino Restaurant Association, as well as being the immediate past president and current board member for Latino Food Industry Association and a corporate advisor and board member of the Long Beach Memorial Heart and Vascular Institute. Lily, that took two whole pages. How are you doing today? (laughs) Oh my God. I want to get to know that person. (laughs) First of all, thank you so much. Oh yeah. Thank you so much. That was quite an intro and you know, it sounds amazing and it is. However, you you know, you're right. You and I, that's why we get along because We've done a lot, and then we got, we kind of keep it real, keep it down to earth. You know, we're we're down with the people. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, so, this is a good segue for my first couple of questions because we want to know where where you came from and you know all that stuff. Because um, let's go back to high school. We're gonna jump in on my favorite time machine. You know, back in high school, I mean, what was your goal? What did you feel like? What did you want to be when you grew up, Lily? Oh my gosh. You know, I was one of those people in high school that, you know, I definitely was smart. I was in the um, honors classes, you know, a couple couple of AP classes here and there, (laughs) you know, and I knew, you know, I knew what was up, but in terms of like the social, I wasn't, you know, like the most popular, I wasn't like unpopular, but I wasn't like part part of popular crowd. I found that out, you know, recently when everyone was on Facebook saying, man, wasn't that trip to Maui after we graduated amazing? And I was like, I guess <laughs> I didn't go. <laughs> Your, people went to Maui. There was a Maui trip. <laughs> there was a Maui trip. I yeah. had no idea. So I did like the math and science, and I was, you know, one of the first students at my high school to do computer programming. And at that time, it was brand new. You know, we're talking the '80s, right? We're talking yeah. about brand new. People were, were, you know, computers were all everything was new. And so um, I, and you had like the Commodore sixty four computer with the floppy. Yeah, we got a <laughs> Commodore sixty four with a floppy disk. You got it, and you know, you got it. That's exactly what I'm talking about. So you know, we had those, and and you know, we had. Um, it was it was just interesting because I was part of like the math club that got to take the first computer programming classes at my high school. So, you know, I should have stuck with it, honestly. <laughs> so did you feel that in high school you're going to go the computer route? Is that kind of no, your impress with no. that technology? No, I, I should have gone the computer route, definitely. But no, I did not. I, I did not. And I think if I had been encouraged, you know, that's one of the things that's so important now that some of the work that I do with with young people, especially people of color, where, you know, we're really encouraging women and young, you know, the younger, you know, women, boys and girls to both, you know, really, especially in the Latino community to 
encourage them to follow, you know, math and science, because I think I would have been amazing at it. And I, I was, you know, I was already. But <laughs> so, right. So at that time, I, I used to watch this show called Hotel. Okay. I don't know if you remember that, you know, way back, Connie Selica, Connie Selica, nice to <laughs> <laughs> And I wanted to be the manager I want because it was like about a hotel manager and I was like oh my gosh that's my job right there and I always wanted to travel the world but you know you're young you don't really know like careers I just knew that I wanted like an international type of situation and so I always had that sort of idea well, that's awesome. So let me ask, you know, just kind of moving on, I mean, you went to UC Berkeley. So what was your major in UC Berkeley? Now that you're like, hey, I want to be this kind of like jet setter, entrepreneur, hotel manager type person. And can you kind of also mention how did that end up you going to London to do some of your education? By the time I got to UC Berkeley, I'd already kind of changed my mind and wanted to go into business. But I knew that I wanted to do like international business or something in and on the global stage, you know, I really wanted to do something on the global stage. And so when I graduated from there, I got introduced to something called meeting management, which a lot of folks have no idea what that is. And what meeting management is, it's the business of running trade shows. And so where you're, you know, you're really studying like the revenue models and how trade shows make money. To give you an example, you probably go to a million medical trade shows, right? And you probably just get there and do your thing. And of course, you're like keynote speaker and you're doing your thing and you're doing all the breakouts. Well, there's a whole team of people that put those things together. And so it usually takes about 18 months of planning for all of this to happen. And so it could take up to 18 months to two years, three years in some cases to plan these giant trade shows. And so I got introduced to that world and I absolutely loved it. So then fast forward, I was um, managing food and beverage trade shows. And so, and I loved it. And yes, you're like the coffee shows, the, you know, food and beverage, like fancy food, gourmet foods, all these different shows and all of it, all of those shows all have to do with the trade only industry, which means it's, they're not open to the public. They're people doing business with each other. For example, if you're selling a a beverage and you want that beverage to go to Whole Foods, then we got to get the Whole Foods people at the trade show. We got to get you Ah. and your manufacturers. So it has nothing to do with the public. So a lot of folks um, think, because I do a lot of food industry events, sometimes mistakenly think that I do uh, food festivals and things like that. What I, where I started my career was in the food and beverage trade show industry. So after studying how to put on these giant conferences and trade shows, so I started doing those, you know, at, at the very bottom level, you know, kind of, you know, running errands for the boss and then kind of work my way up to being the boss um, within a scope of about 15 years. So because, you know, it is a very competitive field. There's not a lot of people of color doing it. I was probably still am, you know, one of very few people that have all those certifications that you mentioned. <laughs> so <laughs> the certifications are, you know, important because, um you know, you, you got to keep learning on the trends and things that are happening in the industry. And um, you're just much more respected when you do have those um, certifications under your belt. I'll tell you one thing, you know, we've been friends for a while and this is the first time I actually understood what you do, because I think you cheated and looked at my, my paper because one of my next question was, can you explain to my listeners, what is a trade show? Because, you know, I think (laughs) that's a key thing. You stole my thunder, but you know, 
I am one of those people who just thought that, yeah, you're in the food industry. There's a lot of just restaurants that come together. And as I'm reading your, your resume, your CV, it sounds so awesome at such a high level. And the way you get that analogy for Whole Foods, that makes sense. That is so awesome. Um, so you kind of skipped one of my questions because you didn't see my, my sheet, but you mentioned in your CV, you grew up during the dot-com bubble. And I, I wanted you to kind of tell to my younger listeners, what does it mean to be in the dot-com you know, era bubble? bubble? And how did you not go that route? Or is it related to the trade show industry? You know, a lot of younger people take it for granted. Now we have like a million apps and you know, everything's so digital and mobile friendly. And, you know, that was not the case back then. You know, everything was brand new. I mean, my God, I was around when like eBay started, you know, like Amazon, you know, Jeff Bezos out there in the Silicon Valley, you know, everyone like, you know, Craigslist. I knew Craig from Craigslist. You know, it's like, you know, like that's the era that I come from. And so, you know, there's what they call the dot-com bubbles. And so I was, I was in, I think it was the second bubble um, that, burst. Um, and that's just, you know, when everyone was kind of hedging and um, investing in dot com, something called dot com, no one knew what it was. And, you know, people were just excited about it. And so, you know, a lot of great things were happening at the same time. That, like I said, that's when like Amazon started, eBay, you know, was new, all of these companies were new. It was it was an exciting time. So when I graduated, from Cal, I um, I was in I was there, you know, I was in Silicon Valley, and yeah. they were basically hiring everybody. And it's like you have a you have a heartbeat, okay, you're hired. That's the way it was going down in uh, I mean up in Silicon Valley, they were just paying anybody. They just didn't have enough people to work. They were bringing people from all over the world. You know, you had everyone from every country kind of coming over to Silicon Valley. You know, it was good times. It was good times. <laughs> good times. A lot of money and good times. Well, you know, that's why they call it the bubble burst and uh, the bubble did, you know, burst and then everyone gets fired, laid off, you know, sent yeah. back to your own country, you know, get out of Silicon Valley. I was one of the, um, I actually have a really cool story because I was working for Nokia at that time. Yeah, you Nokia, mentioned that. Yeah. yeah, Nokia, it was like working for Apple at that time. It was literally like working for Apple because, you know, Apple phone it wasn't around. It was the Nokia phone. And so um, the Nokia phone was the phone to have, you know, everyone like oh, that was totally it. right. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was it. Like you had to have your phone. So I was working for Nokia. And then, you know, when the, when the bubble burst, a lot of people, you know, obviously didn't want to get laid off. And what was happening there, I had a great, good friend in HR and my friend who was like, no, oh, don't worry. Your job is, um, is secure. You know, I'm going to, you know, you know, you got your hookup yeah. whatever, and you're like, yeah, your job is fine. And so, but then I found out that the people they were laying off, they were paying them for a year. They were like basically getting a one-year compensation package. And I was like, dude, I want that. What are you talking about? Right. Yeah. And so, so, but my job was secure. So what happened was that I, I, there was a, a friend of mine who did get laid off and then um, she wanted to stay. And I was thinking, gosh, insanity. I want out of this craziness right now. She wanted to stay and I wanted to go. So we went to HR with our HR connections and um, they allowed us to switch jobs so that she stayed. Oh. And then I, I got the one year compensation package. And let me tell you, that was like one of the greatest <laughs> decisions of my life. Okay, totally. So I basically um, got my one year compensation package and I moved yep. to Europe. 
And so I was living in Europe for one year and I was getting paid every two weeks as if I was an employee. And so that's how you do it. That is it. That was like like the greatest time or that's the greatest time of my life. So I was based in London. Um, you know, wow. I had gone to school in London prior to that. I had already, I had knowledge of London because I did okay. spend a year abroad at UC Berkeley. Yep. And then um, that's kind of how I got to London my second time. Ah. Um, but I moved around. Then I, I, um, I lived at the Hotel Cologne, C-O-L-O-N, okay. prior to the renovation at in Barcelona. Now it's been renovated. It's totally different. But it was it was like the total like European experience of like living in this hotel in in Europe and Barcelona oh, and wow. getting paid and just like I mean I was it was joyous you know being like the humongous <laughs> ego person that I am I was like oh my gosh you know I'm gonna get back you know when my year was up I was like oh I'll be back in the Bay Area yeah I'll have a job in like five minutes no problem right <laughs> and so I get back to the Bay Area and oh my god there was like no jobs like nothing like we they had um oh boy I knew people who were like PhDs they were like baristas at Starbucks <laughs> and um, <laughs> You know, after about five, six months of being in the Bay Area, no longer with my compensation package, I was like, oh, my gosh, I got to get back to L.A. and <laughs> and go live with my mom on her couch. All roads so, always lead back to mom's back house to, somewhere to in my mom. the couch. <laughs> exactly. Right. So all roads lead to mother's <laughs> couch. And so, you know, after being at the Hotel Cologne, after being in London, you know, <laughs> oh, my God, a weekend in Amsterdam and <laughs> all this stuff. I'm like back to my mom's house in uh, Belfast. Flower, California. So. Yeah, that, I mean, your story has like a Debbie Downer ending. You're like you're like totally. jet setter, and then I'm on mom's couch. Yeah, exactly. So, so from there, you know, yeah. um, got back. You know, I ended up, you know, kind of starting all over again here in LA, and which is where I live now. And so, just started again um, my career in you know the movie management world. So I just kind of started bottom, worked for a local hospital, um, kind of became familiar with you know, hospital operations, things like that. That's kind of where my health background started with, you know, working in hospitals. There's jobs where you do all the events. As you know, like hospitals put on tons of events, especially your, your, you know, USC has a whole department of people like me yeah, hired to do events. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like uh, neurology, cardiothoracic surgery, event planning. <laughs> <laughs> That is no joke. Okay. USC, no, I agree with like, you. I agree with you. USC is impressive. I mean, I love USC so much. I did not like, you know, I didn't spend like my undergrad years there. I've done, you know, other work there, but it's an amazing place. So I'm always like, yeah, you do. They do have a, I had, cause I know a bunch of people that work there for the meeting. Planning. <laughs> and so, so yeah, so that's kind of um, started again. And then when I, was working at the hospital, you know, kind of meeting planning is where you can do it at a hospital or you can do it anywhere, really. And so then I kind of switched over from doing the marketing in a hospital setting to um, corporate, which was food and beverage. That, that's kind of where I made my my kind of like, okay, I'm going over to the food and beverage world. So now that you're in this world, that's where, I mean, it's great. You like filled in some of my questions, but you know, the big thing where you are now is the 
Sabor Latino food industry. And you are the founder of this. I want to make sure I get a chance to really plug this in. So, you know, how did you come up with this idea in particular? Well, I always had it. And then when I when I switched over right there, this is a perfect question for this, you know, like segue into this, because when I switched over to food and beverage, I was working as an employee for others. And I always saw that there was a need for this particular trade show, which is, again, going back to the beginning of your question, we kind of talked a little bit about it, but trade shows are for the trade only, but, you know, public, the general public usually is not allowed into these big conferences and trade shows because they're for the business community. Okay. And so just like when you go to your American medical, like it's all the doctors, like you're not going to have people like Joe blow off the street, just come on in. Cause <laughs> right. So same kind of thing. And so, mm. and I followed and I, and I collected data on all of, you know, on the business that I would start, but I never had sort of like the cojones to like actually <laughs> do it. Okay. <laughs> I was just, cause I, you know, I worked in corporate, yeah. I had a great job. And so, you know, I'm working, I have an amazing job. I'm traveling the world, you know, kind of work my way back up. You know, I'm, I'm having my own place over by the beach. I, I don't live in my mom's anymore. And I yes. was traveling a lot and no. I was in the middle of like a trip. I had just returned from Germany um, came back, I was living in Long Beach and oh my gosh, you know, I, I suffered a massive heart attack and oh my God. yeah, and that's where LBMMC comes in Long Beach Memorial Medical Center, which is the, the hospital that treated me, uh, for my heart attack in my thirties. Okay. Which is like, holy rare, yeah, right? It is. Like, I mean, I love how we're talking about all these great ideas. You're just about to start the Sabor Latino food industry. And then with, no, no, no. See, that's, what, that's where I'm saying. Like, I didn't start it until after my heart attack. Well, after, to after. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I didn't, I didn't have, somehow after I had my heart attack, I had more kind of like a different attitude. And so oh, okay. I, the entrepreneurial spirit didn't hit me until after my heart attack. <laughs> oh, oh boy. But okay, let's go back to this, you know, what happened around there. I don't want to downplay it. So yeah. I, mean, I mean, for those listening, you know, I think that I, I speak for many by saying that, you know, cardiovascular disease is, you know, often missed and underdiagnosed in women. So can you tell me, how did you think it presented? I mean, was it like the TV shows? Was it chest pain on the left side of your chest going down your hand? How, how, what was your symptoms and signs and how soon did you get to the ER? Yeah, so I, I started having symptoms in about about like six or seven months prior, which was yeah. which to me presented as like an electrical kind of pain in my left chest area. So I was of course thinking, Oh my god, I have breast cancer, you know. So I mean, you know, this makes sense. Weird. I'm a yeah. woman and hey, it's left breast. Okay. So what did you do? Yeah. Did you did you go to your primary? Did you Yeah. Yeah, I went into okay. my primary care and, you know, of course they're thinking I'm a nutcase because I'm like, they're, you know, I have no medical experience. And I'm like, hey, I'm feeling these electrical pains. I have breast cancer. Got checked out. And they're like, no, you don't have breast cancer. You're fine. And so you kind of led the conversation. You're like, I'm worried about some kind of malignancy in my chest. So they were looking at one thing. Well, I didn't say little it like did that. they know that. <laughs> little did they know that, that there was a heart attack going on. Yeah, I didn't say it like that. I actually sounded like a nutcase because I was like, I don't know what's up. I have like this pain in my chest. <laughs> but I mean, I said breast. I kept saying breast. So, um, so that was one thing. And then um, about, like I said, about seven months later. Um, I was going to work and yes, I experienced a heart attack. What did it feel like? How long did it last? What happened? Yeah. You know, I woke up and I was feeling like 
crap. And I was like, oh my gosh, I, I was feeling tired. Um, I had like a, like a pain in my, in my chest, in my chest, like an elephant, you know, like the, the typical, like, elephant, yeah. you know, pressing down upon you and yeah. it, I did feel that. Um, and then I had like a left jaw pain oh. and I was like, okay, I'm going to go to work now. <laughs> Cause oh, you, know, you went to work. One of the, yeah, cause you know, we, that's one of the things I've learned, like women, we just kind of like, oh, okay, we're fine. Like, let's take care of yeah. everyone else. Like we don't like take care of ourselves first. Yeah. And so I went to work and I still felt kind of weird. And then my boss, you know, was like, you don't look good. What's going on? And I told him and he's like, you're having a heart attack. Cause I had one last year and that's exactly what happened to me. And I said, no, I said, you're a, I'm like, that's crazy. You're a funny person. Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm Lily jet setter. There's no way. Right. right. So he's like, I'm going to drive you to the hospital. And I said, really, yeah. you don't have to do that. And I, you know, I didn't feel good, but it wasn't the heart attack yet at that point. It was like, coming. I didn't know. Now I know, but it was like yeah. kind of moving up to it. And so he did drive me and he's like, let me come in with you. And I said, no, 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 I'll go in by myself. So I go in, of course, I tell him what happened. And, you know, the last thing anyone is, is expecting is a heart attack from me, yeah. you know, 37 year old. So they just told me to have a seat. And yeah. so, you know, waiting and waiting around. Um, I'm not kidding you. This was probably one of the darkest days of my life where I was sitting in the ER and I, I think I know like what happened at that exact moment that I had my heart attack. Cause it just started feeling like, like horrible, like oh dizziness yeah. and um, pain and my left arm. And it was like, just a, just a strong pain and it kind of came and went, you know, I would say a good 30 minutes and I started crying. Oh and God. of course people are just like, you know, looking at me like, okay, you know, you have to wait. And I was like, oh my God. You're like, hey, so finally like, breathe into the paper bag. <laughs> yeah. They were like, because, you know, again, some of the work that I do now is like changing those perceptions of, and then helping primary care doctors like recognize the symptoms. But at that point, no one knew. I didn't know what was going on. I just sat there and I was crying. I felt really stupid because I didn't know what was going on. And I just was crying. And then so I finally got in, they like, you know, did all the, you know, the workup for the ER and all that. And then, oh my God, they all like went into like panic mode because um, my troponin levels were like off the chart. Oh and, boy. Yeah. So they knew like what had happened. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, immediately they were, you know, sprang into action after, right. After. And so, yeah. And then I didn't know what was going on. So obviously. And so like maybe a few hours later, the doctors all come in and they're like, okay, we have to tell you that you suffered a heart attack. And I was like, I mean, you could have just like, I yeah. was like, you've got to be joking. Right? Now, did that news <laughs> cause another heart attack on top almost, of the heart attack? Yeah, almost, right? Oh almost. my God. No, I was like in total shock. And yeah. so I couldn't, oh, like, I didn't even, yeah. And so you know, I was then, you know, taken, I was in the ICU and all that stuff. And then, you know, they're doing medical history and yeah. they're like, does it, did anyone in your family ever have heart attacks? And I'm like thinking, yeah, yeah. You know, like come to think of it. Yeah. But then you hear about like grandpa had a heart attack, your uncle had a heart attack. And I knew that my uncle had heart attacks and I knew my grandpa had a heart attack, but I didn't like, I don't know. It just never like sank in. Like I just never even thought it would happen to me. And so when I, you know, was doing the, the family history, I called my mom and I didn't tell her anything. I was, I said, mom, um, okay, so grandpa had a heart attack and he passed away. And then she, she said, yeah, you know, he was 37 and he had a heart attack oh, and, no and, he and he died five days later. And I oh was like, okay, 
I was like, let me call you back. <laughs> I was like, let me call you back. And I was 37. Yeah. And I just had a heart attack. And I was like, I've got five days to life. <laughs> so, so anyways, it was a crazy time. Um, it took me about two years to recover fully, like physically Jeez. from my heart attack, you know, cardiac rehab and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And, um, and not, and not so, to mention recovery for you, I imagine it's not like recovery for the average Joe because you're so high functioning and you're multitasking. So it, I'm sure it was not the easiest battle getting back to where you were. You know what I mean? Right. It was exactly, it was like, it really messed me up in the head because, you know, um, yeah. it just like, it was like, why did this happen? Like, what is going on? And and I, I mean, I think psychologically it really messed me up of course. more, more than anything else. And I, and I feel like physically like, yeah, I mean, it was, it was tough. Like I could barely walk, you know, and I'm a big hiker, you know me, I mean, I'm yeah. like out there in like the wilderness and, <laughs> and I couldn't, I could barely walk. I can barely like do anything. It took me about six months to kind of like start walking again like normal you know i was like yeah. walking really slow like a walker you know like it was just <laughs> I, know what that is. I want people to know like what you did which was you know i saw you on the cover of people's magazine i see you periodically walking the runway wearing this beautiful red dress how did you get involved how did you get in the magazine how did you get involved with all these things did they seek you out did you seek them out was that like a a new goal in your life to raise awareness can you kind of elaborate on that yeah no dude i totally like just started helping others that were in the same situation and so once i started kind of getting better um, long beach memorial is an awesome hospital they helped me kind of connect with other people who had heart attacks and of course i was always like the youngest person and you know people were like freaking out this was about two maybe three let me see about three and a half years after mine, I was like doing better. Yeah. And so of course I was talking to people who had just had it like the day before or maybe oh the day after or whatever. It helped me a lot, like to help them just kind of tell them you're going to be okay. You know, we have great doctors, great, you know, healthcare system, you're going to be okay. And so, um, you know, I started going back to my, you know, healthy living and things like that and just helping other people. And I think with my volunteer work, they asked me to do more and I got involved and, you know, I was just, I just always try to, you know, keep it positive. And I think that's what's like the most helpful when you have like a really positive, um, amazing attitude of like, kindness and helpfulness not that I'm like the kindest person on the planet but I try to be <laughs> I think that that really resonates with a lot of people and then they like seek you out and and you know always kind of like listening to other stories and people you know they just seek you out for different things so that's where I was asked to be part of American Heart Association volunteers and then they they had all these volunteers and then they they usually pick 13 women for the go red every yeah. year and I, I got chosen to be one of the 13, I believe it was 2018. And then they, from there, they pick one who they represents American heart nationally. And then yet you get to go to like, you know, New York fashion week and all these different things. So the, I, I was chosen to do that, which was a great, great opportunity. I got to meet like Elon Musk's mom. Hang oh, out with, wow. You know, yeah. And she was really cool. And just all these like really cool people. And it's, it's fun. They're all kind of, bringing awareness to cardiovascular disease, which is so important, especially with women. And this is um, where I saw you kind of walking down the, the runway, right? Yeah, I think so. And, and yeah, how was definitely. that? You know, because, you know, I always oh I God, know you as a so person. And I'm like, wait a minute, there's Lily kind of very fashionable, despite having heart disease on the runway. Was that a little, 
Was that was that almost going to cause a heart attack, or did, you, did that go okay? It, you know what? It was really fun because you know I didn't. You know, you don't have to do anything, as you know from being on TV. And so if you oh. just show up, and then people like do your makeup and hair and like put clothes on you, and you're like, okay, this is cool. I want to do this all the time. But yeah, no, basically just told me to get to New York, you know, and I got there, and you know, I was basically um, doing my thing there. So it was, it was great. It was great. And I want to bring it back. So now that we had this. You know, I wanted to spend a lot of time with that because that's just an amazing story. And I'm so happy that you're doing good now. Let's go back to talking about the Sabor Latino food industry. So explain that. Why? How did that, you know, you said you got these epiphanies and extra entrepreneurship after the heart attack. <laughs> yeah, explain yeah. how that came up. And this is your baby, right? Right, right, right. And okay. I think it was just, you know, it was just obviously it didn't have anything to do with the heart attack, but it just had to do more with like, hey, you know, life is short. Why don't you like do something you've always wanted to do? And I think that it just gave me a little bit more confidence to be able to do start my own business. So, yeah, so I knew the business in and out. I did start the trade show. Um, there was no other Latin food trade show at the time. So it was it was welcomed in the industry. You know, that went on for, you know, six, seven years. Um, right before COVID, I sold my show, which was like crazy, like crazy because we no, didn't know about COVID. I didn't even know yeah. that. You're revealing yeah. this to me on the podcast. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, exactly. And it was it was it was February 2020. Okay. COVID hit March 2020. And yeah. so it was literally like sold the show. I was heading to New York. And then I, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I heard about this like virus going around. I'm gonna st-. and then of course, you know, Therese, my partner works. <laughs> <laughs> yes. in the field so then she was like hey maybe you shouldn't go to new york right now and so i didn't go and then obviously we were in covid after that so so since then i you know i still work in food and beverage i've um again been involved in so many different organizations with regard to food you know um going back to what we said about keeping it healthy you know my personal you know choice of eating healthy you know that's just for me but you know i do work in an industry where they have you know like the hot cheeto pizza <laughs> whatever you know like there's all kinds of stuff yeah and you know craziness but i do um tend to you know myself try to keep it healthy and you know when i can i'll have like last weekend when we had uh, the chef's dinner and and actually i need to invite you to those um because oh, of we have, course. We have, yeah we have a few coming up and you would be like amazing to come in um, so i was going to ask you i mean would you consider yourself a foodie with all this food we've been talking about today and can you cook or are you more of an just an eater type person <laughs> i avoided the word foodie for so long because i just think it's so trendy but um yes i am a foodie I, <laughs> I i'm gonna i'm gonna take the title because i do know food and beverage and i love it and i definitely have a you know a discerning palate and i i love food you know and can i cook there's only a few things i can cook you know like there's only a few things that I can cook well. Okay. Uh, so I'm and you, not can, you, can't, you can't pick Lego waffles and toast or anything. So right, you right, are right, good right, around, right. you know, your way around the kitchen then. Yeah. I can do a few things here and there. I can, I can assist, you know, I can be like a sous chef or something, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I definitely, you know, I can, I know my way around the food industry mm-hmm. and, and food, you know, in the kitchen and work with a lot of chefs now and, Lately, we've just been doing a lot of things with chefs. It's been so much fun. And now, when you so, say recently, are you still the CEO of the Latino Restaurant Association? You know what? I am. I am. I am the head of the Latino Restaurant Association. And, That's awesome. Um, CEO slash executive director. Um, we so, are national. 
we're now. So what's your responsibilities? I wanted to f- figure this out. It sounds yeah. So, you're like, what the heck? Powerful. Do what do you do? Yeah. What do you do all day long? Yeah. Just eat. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, well, let, I you know I'll make it simple. Fifty yep. percent of my job is is advocacy for restaurant owners because all of our members are most of our members are restaurant owners. So that what that means is I go to Sacramento, I go to Washington D.C. on their behalf. Oh so no like, way! Let's say, yeah, so let's say you you're a restaurant owner, right? Let's say we got Raj's Taqueria, right? And we're okay. like, so you are a member of the association, and then so. So right now, like during COVID, they allowed you to to put up a patio outside, put you know, put put all your stuff outside, cook outside, and 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 the uh, and the liquor, the you know, d- department, you know, alcohol and the mm-hmm. you know, department said that you're allowed to to do alcohol to go, and and they even expedited your permit really quickly. Now all of those things are things that then the government wants to take away from you. So then I go to Sacramento and DC on your behalf and say, no, 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 no. I've got 10,000 people that own restaurants and we need to have those things stay put. Like we want the alcohol, you know, we want, you know, the outside dining, we want, you know, all these things. So all these, like, there's a whole list of like political issues that are associated with owning a restaurant. So then I go on your behalf to kind of, you know, lobby on your behalf to walk to, to Washington, D.C. That's 50% of my job. The other 50% of my job is, um, all right, Raja Stakaria, they need help with, you know, how to run their restaurants. So then we do programs, we put together oh. curriculum so that you and your staff can come and learn how to run your business more successfully. Wow. And we have a ton of stuff like that. So we have like webinars and, you know, classes and all kinds of things that, that we'll, we're, we're going to invite you to and say, hey, you know, we have this going on next week, you know, come on down, you guys can, you know, take it and it's free. It's all free. So yeah, so we're, you know, 50% advocacy um, and legislative work. And then the other 50% is all programming work. Now, and that's this, my makes, job this, in this makes sense, Lily, why every time, like, I want to get a hold of you, I mean, yeah. you're just taking pictures from New York and DC, and you're just everywhere. So this makes sense now. And I finally, I think this fits you really well. And I really do love this story about where you started. I love the trade show part of it. I love where you are now. And this suits you. I like it. I like the title CEO. It's very uplifting. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you know, I always say, um, you know, I work for a nonprofit, so, you know, I'm not like a real CEO. (laughs) So this is a good seg for this one, which is, you know, um, right now, I mean, what are your goals for the future? What what, what do you want to do personally or what do you want to do for the industry, the Latino food industry? What's your next steps? Yeah, thank you. So, you know, I'm always a lifelong learner. I love school, as we discussed earlier. So um, since I work a lot with the legislative um, situation that I just mentioned, I decided to go ahead and finish my law school, which I started a million years ago, but I didn't finish. So I'm I'm currently in law school trying to finish that up. I didn't know and- that. Oh my god. Yeah, so wow. yeah, so so a lot of people ask me like what the hell's going on? Why are you? and I'm like no no no, I'm not going to like get a law degree and go like put up a shingle and and be like oh I'm a lawyer. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm just this is just to add to my current position. It'll just be more, you know, it'll give me more credibility when I'm in, you know, the halls of government yeah. and and saying, "Hey, you know, I'm an attorney as well, so and I know what I'm talking about." Oh, I like that, but there, there may not be enough 
letters behind your last name to put all those titles. You know that, right? <laughs> No, there always is. You know that. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, so that's mm-hmm. kind of where I see myself finishing my Juris Doctorate and JD. And then um, also I see myself going back to corporate, you know, sometime in the next five to 10 years, um, hopefully, you know, um, helping run a larger uh, food business, um, which is something that I enjoy. And I'm always going to be part of the LRA because you know, obviously we're very dedicated to our um, nonprofit. And and it's, you know, I've been around since 2018 with, with this nonprofit. So yeah, so I see myself continuing my legislative work, um, strengthening that with my JED, and then um, hopefully working some large food organization. So yeah, and then continuing to, you know, you know, on, on the personal side, you know, I'm, I, I'm hoping to do, a, you know, Yosemite and some of the, the bigger parks and hiking. And I, I love my, um, and I recently, I didn't tell you, I got into Pilates recently. It's life changing. <laughs> life changing. It really is. It's life changing. If you haven't done the reformer, Dr. Raj, you've got to check it out. It's like, it's amazing. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I mean, my when my wife talks about the importance of the core. It's it's hard to do Pilates. I mean, I, I don't think I gave it a good shot, but God bless you, Lily, to do that. You like doing these things. That's awesome. Um, well, your wife is right with that. But it's yeah. all about the core, on especially <laughs> as you get older. Like you have to have a good core. So for sure. <laughs> now I want to now you know for one of the last things I wanted to ask you. You know, I think that you know I do have a lot of young people, young entrepreneurs, people who haven't have their course set for them just yet. You know, not all my listeners are going the medical route. They want to do a lot of different things. That's why I have guests like you. So for those who want to be like a CEO in the future or want to be involved in something similar to trade shows or starting their own company, what advice would you give them? You know what? I think one of the best things that people can do for themselves is what I call deep work. And that would be setting aside about three hours a day to do deep work. And that's like, turn your phone off, just do your work, you know, like the deep work that you have to do. Entrepreneurs, entrepreneurship has something that, you know, is very different from others, which is like, you know, you're, you're basically in charge of putting together the structure of your company. Remember you, if you want to be an entrepreneur, the goal is to have a company that runs itself without you. So you don't want to, you know, you don't want to have a company that if you're not there, then the company goes downhill. It has to be where you set up a company, you set up some amazing systems where if you're not there, the systems are still going to run themselves. So that's always, yeah, that's always the goal of the business is is to have a business where you have such an amazing structure in place that it's going to run itself. And that's always the goal. And, you know, that's where people, you know, own one, two, three, four, five, six businesses because they get really good at doing that. And so that's one of the things that we teach restaurants, you know, people who own businesses what to do. But that it actually applies to all businesses. And so um, that's just like one of the, you know, core (laughs) tenets of business (laughs) where you you want to set up amazing systems. And then how do you do that is by doing the deep work you know, whether it's you by yourself or you with, you know, people that you, you know, bring in to do this work. But yeah, I think that's like, so key. And I, I talk about this all the time, because, you know, a lot of people don't do it. No, I know. I, I love that advice. I love that advice. Um, so last but not least, you know, uh, if one of my listeners or anyone out there wants to learn more about you or learn more about the industry or about the Latino Restaurant Association, 
any websites or anything you could direct them to? We'll put it in our show notes, but do you want to mention anything? So the Latino Restaurant Association is um, latinorestaurantassociation.org. And anybody who calls up and says they're, you know, they listen to your podcast, we will give them basically the $99 a year um, for free. So oh, wow. To, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a, it's $99 a year, but give it to them for free. All they have to do is mention your show and they can become a member. And then everything that we have on our website, which they will see at latinorestaurantassociation.org, they receive for free. All of that is all free stuff. Uh, for, if they want to follow me personally, if you want to follow all my exploits and, you know, why not shadiness, <laughs> <laughs> you can go to, yeah, you can go to the Lily Roca, R-O-C-C-A. It's not my last name, but it's the Lily R-O-C-C-A Roca um, on Instagram. And so, um, yeah, I'm always looking for followers, shameless plug. So, um, so that's it. But yeah, you know, if anybody that contacts me saying that, they know you, you know, we'll take care of them, make sure that we can answer any questions for them. Happy to point them in, you know, any direction. I do have a lot of, you know, other than the restaurant industry, I have an extensive background in entrepreneurship and business. And, and I feel like, you know, I can definitely help anyone in any business. So happy to help. No. And you know what? I'm going to say that that's why we had you here. I just know you're going to be a good role model. Just you hear the story and what you could offer people and like even this i mean somehow you made a great business deal like hey download my podcast mention it and boom this is so cool but i want to make sure i say thank you for coming on the show today because you are a busybody and on top of that i just know that it was a treat to talk to one of my besties on the uh, on the podcast day so lily thank you so much for being here Oh my gosh. Um, well, thank you so much. I always miss you. Yes, I'm always on the road, but you know, you know, I love everything that you do. So thank you so much for having me. And this is a great opportunity. And I'm excited. I'm excited to share it with all my followers as well. Awesome. So everyone out there, I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. And all this is going to be in the show notes. So stay tuned. Next podcast coming up in probably another two weeks. And thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. Our producers are Madison Linden and Chris Brightigan. Our executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. This podcast is for educational purposes only and not intended for medical advice. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. <laughs>